0: Ursula K. Le Guin puts in the mouths of her mages in A Wizard of Earthsea a very important term that winds up being a key concept not just for them but I think you could say running throughout the entire work and the rest of the Earthsea novels and stories as well and this word is equilibrium. Now. Many people view this as Le Guin importing the Taoism that she was very influenced by, admittedly so, into Earthsea. If we look at how it's explained and how it plays itself out, that's. No, we don't want to say it's exactly the same thing but there is this sense that there is a balancing an equilibrium if we use that term means that there things are balanced against each other they come to a sort of stasis between them but it could also be dynamic and sometimes it gets out of whack and then has to be restored and there's all sorts of modalities to equilibrium running throughout earth see It comes up in the context of magic named first as such in these books, particularly in the the chapter in which Gad is getting his, his education before his tragic disruption of the equilibrium that we'll talk about in a moment. And there's lessons that are coming page after page after page from three of the main masters at Roke. One of them is Master Hand, the other is Master Namer, and then the Master Summoner. And we could say that with each of these, we're getting a sort of deepening of the teaching about the equilibrium. So, Master Hand is asked about how to make things no longer just seem to be changed, but to really change them. For example, to change a pebble into a diamond. And so he says that we use the true speech, or you know, the old speech, to control things. That's what magic largely consists in. And he says that um, this is a rock, a bit of the stone of which Roque Isle is made, a bit of the dry land on which people live. It is itself, it's part of the world. By illusion. Change, you can make it look like a diamond, but to change something into something else, you have to change its true name. And this, he says, is quite dangerous. Why? Because this is to change the world. He says, it is the art of the master changer. You're going to learn it when you're ready to learn it, but you must not change one thing, one pebble, one grain of sand until you know what good and evil will follow on that act. And then here's where he he talks about equilibrium. The world is in balance, in equilibrium. A wizard's power of changing and of summoning can shake the balance of the world. It is dangerous that power, it is most perilous. It must follow knowledge and serve need to light a candle is to cast a shadow. Now notice what he said there. It's not just, well, everything is in balance, you know, to every season, et cetera, et cetera. He's saying, listen, you have to maintain the equilibrium by thinking about good and thinking about evil. These are not concepts that we just relativize or say, well, we go beyond them because that would actually be evil. There's a goodness in maintaining the equilibrium in certain ways, but sometimes the equilibrium might need to be shifted. There's evil involved in disrupting the equilibrium, but not all evil is exactly the same. And there you know, might be some harsh remedies. He points out something very prosaic. A rock is a good thing, too, you know. If the Isles of Ursi were made of diamond, we'd lead a hard life, right? So that is the first discussion about equilibrium. Shortly after that in the story, but much later, many months later, we find that the equilibrium is something that has to be taken into account, not just in terms of good and evil and thinking about what you're trying to do, but consequences. And we get an environmental approach to it, an ecological approach. What, What do we mean by that? Well, the master Namer tells Ged this. He's talking about the name of the sea. Since no thing can have two names, Indian can mean only all the sea except the inmost Sea, and of course it does not mean even that, for there's seas and bays and straits beyond counting that bear names. If some mage sea master were mad enough to try to lay a spell of storm or calm over all the ocean, his spell must say not only that word, but the name of every stretch and bit of the part of the sea through the archipelago and all the outer reaches and beyond to where names cease. Thus, that which gives us the power to work magic sets the limits of that power. A mage can control only what is near him, what he can name exactly and wholly. And this is, well, this is the key point. If it were not so, the wickedness of the powerful or the folly of the wise would long ago have sought to change what cannot be changed and equilibrium would fail. The unbalanced sea would overwhelm the islands where we perilously dwell. And in the old silence, all voices and all names would be lost. So this is a very important lesson that he's being taught here. It's not just that, well, you know, before you cast a spell, think about what you're doing. It's also if you're going to change things in a global sense, you might actually screw up the whole world. And thank goodness that that's too complicated of a task for anybody to really pull off. Then we get another lesson as well. We find out from the Master Summoner that Equilibrium plays an important role there too. He tells us that, Ged worked with the master summoner now, but that master was a stern man, aged and hardened by the deep and somber wizardry he taught. He dealt with no illusion, only true magic. The summoning of such energies as light and heat and the force that draws the magnet and those forces men perceive as weight, form, color, sound. Real powers drawn from the immense, fathomless energies of the universe, which no man's spells or uses could exhaust or unbalance. The weather workers and sea masters calling upon wind and water were already known to his pupils, but it was he, this is the master summoner, who showed why the true wizard uses such spells only at need, since to summon up such earthly forces is to change the earth of which they are a part. And now we get again an ecological approach. Rain on Roke may be drought and oskill, he said, and a calm in the East reach may be storm and ruin in the West, unless you know what you are about. You're not supposed to be carrying wizardry without attending to the very complex dynamic equilibrium of the environment around you because you could produce all sorts of other problems. And we do, in fact, see this happening in some of the later works, not so much with weather, but with other things. So that's one set of very important explanations. We also see Ged himself explaining this to his friend Vetch's sister, Yarrow as she is preparing food for them. And she says, listen, why don't you wizards just like say a word and make yourself some nice meat pies while you're out there sailing around? And Ged says, well, you can eat your words, but they're not very satisfying. Meat pie is only a word. We can make it odorous and savorous, even filling, but it remains." a word it fools the stomach and gives no strength to the hungry man and Yero says oh well you know it's a good thing I'm making you something but I still don't understand sparrowhawk I've seen my brother even his apprentice make light in a dark place only by saying one word but the light shines it's bright it's not a word but a light you can see your way by and Gad says yes light is a power by which we exist but exists beyond our needs in itself sunlight and starlight are time and time is light and he goes on and he says to summon a a thing that is not there at all to call it by speaking its true name that is a great mastery not lightly used not for mere hunger's sake euro your little dragon has stolen a cake and then she says so you would not summon up a real meat pie lest you disturb what my brother is always talking about i forget its name equilibrium Ged said soberly for she was serious and he goes on a little bit and they talk about equilibrium in kind of a joking way. He steals a cake and she says, you have burned fingers then. And when you're starving on the wastewater between the far aisles, you'll think of that cake and say, ah, had I not stolen that cake, I might eat it now. Alas, I shall eat my brother's so he can starve with you. And then Ged jokingly says, thus is equilibrium maintained. And then they joke around about that. So equilibrium, you know, affects, derives, produces the concept consequences of what it is that we take and give and produce and think about. Now, there's also another important lesson about the equilibrium without naming it very early on. And this is when Ged first brings the shadow of the shadow, the thing stooping by the doorway into the world. So Ogion actually tells him this. Have you never thought how danger must surround power as shadow does light? This sorcery is not a game we play for pleasure or praise. Think of this. This is the lesson about the equilibrium. Every word, every act of our art is said and is done either for good or for evil. Before you speak or do, you must know the price that is to pay. This is about the equilibrium. And Ged acts without thinking about the price early on. This is something that he has to learn. There's another important lesson that Ogion also conveys, and it it has to do with his own experience as well. This is after Ged is turned into the Falcon and came to Ogion and is able to be transformed back. As a boy, Ogion, like all boys, had thought it would be a very pleasant game to take by art magic, whatever shape one wanted, man or beast, tree or cloud, and so to play at a thousand beings. But as a wizard, he had learned the price of the game which is the peril of losing oneself, playing away the truth. The longer a man stays in a form not his own, the greater this peril. Every Prentice sorcerer learns the tale of the wizard Borgir of Way, who delighted in taking bear's shape, and did more, did so more and more often until the bear grew in him and the man died away, and he became a bear and killed his own little son in the forest and was hunted down and slain. And no one knows how many of the dolphins that leap in the waters of the Inmost Sea were men once, wise men who forgot their wisdom in the name and the joy of the restless sea. transforming one's itself is a changing of the equilibrium and things can shift back in such a way that you can be caught in the form that you've taken on. Now, You can look at the story of A Wizard of Earthsea, where Ged is the main character, as a overarching depiction of of Ged upsetting and then restoring the equilibrium, partly within the world, but also partly within himself. So first there is the shadow of the shadow. He's taunted by this daughter of a witch who is half a witch herself and will actually show up later on in the work as Seret to read a spell from Ogeon's books, and he reads the wrong spell. you know the witch's doing and brings into being a a shadow being something that is terrifying and and, uh, Ogian drives it away and later there's discussion was that the shadow itself no it's just merely the shadow of a shadow then we have bringing the shadow itself into the world and this is a damaging of the equilibrium in multiple respects Ged is not supposed to be doing this kind of magic he's also bringing into the world something that is quite terrible, and it causes the death of the Archmage. So there's a lot of awful things going on. We, we have a tear in the world, torn edges to it, and there's a discussion later on about well, what exactly happened, and this happens in the context of the new Archmage asking Ged what he wants to do. What do you want? Gad says, to stay, to learn, to undo the evil. Nemerle himself could not do that. No, I would not let you go from Roke because this creature could possess you and you would be a puppet doing the will of the evil shadow that you raised into the sunlight. And he gives a sort of explanation of it. He says it has no name. You have great power inborn in you and you use that power wrongly. There's a key term to work a spell over which you had no control, not knowing how that spell, a facts the balance of light and dark life and death good and evil you were moved to do so by pride and hate is it any wonder the result was ruin? you summoned a spirit from the dead but with it came one of the powers of unlife uncalled it came from a place where there are no names evil it wills to work evil through you the power you had to call it gives it power over you you are connected It is the shadow of your arrogance, the shadow of your ignorance, the shadow you cast, has a shadow, a name. So the Archmage is saying, listen, buddy, you really disrupted the equilibrium in a whole bunch of different ways here. And Ged wants to fix it. He's trying to undo the damage. There's a very interesting discussion that comes up as well a little bit later, where the Terranon, this stone that is one of the old powers They're trying to get him to use it when it will really be using him. And this is Sarit talking to him. She says, only shadow can fight shadow. Only darkness can defeat the dark. Listen, Sparrowhawk, what do you need then to defeat the shadow who waits for you outside these walls? I need what I cannot know its name, the Terranon that knows all births and deaths and beings before and after death, the unborn and the dying, the bright world and the dark one will tell you that name. Ged, however, says, It is light that defeats the dark. Light. As he spoke, he saw plainly as if his own words were the light that showed him how indeed he'd been drawn here, lured here, and that the stone would have possessed him. And so he realizes this is not the way to try to fight it. I have to fight it with light. Then... There's a little bit later, a very important realization on the part of Ged that figures into the discussion after he's turned against it. He says, all terror was gone, all joy was gone, it was a chase no longer. He was neither hunted nor huntered now. When they had come to the time and place for their last meeting, they would meet, but until that time and elsewhere than that place, there would never be any rest or peace for Ged, day or night, on earth or sea. He knew now, here's the realization, and the knowledge was hard. His task had never been to undo what he had done, but to finish what he had begun. There's a very big difference between restoring what was damaged and seeing something through to the end. And that's what he does, eventually restoring himself in such a way that is described here at the, the end of the work. Vetch had watched Ged with a anxious dread he was not sure what had happened there in the dark land. Now when he saw his friend and heard him speak his doubt vanished and he began to see the truth. That Ged had neither lost nor won but naming the shadow of his death with his own name had made himself whole, a man who knowing his whole true self cannot be used or possessed by any power other than himself and whose life is therefore lived for life's sake and never in the service of ruin or pain or hatred or the dark. So this restoration by confronting the shadow in the very end and naming it with his own name allows Ged to restore himself and to restore at least a portion of the equilibrium, the portion that he himself had disrupted. So, very important concept. This gives you some idea about how it plays out at least in a Wizard of Earthsea. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com/sadler Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.